more about OJ Tokes, please visit his website, ojtokes.com. That is O-J-T as in Tom, O-K as in Kite, S as in Steve.com, ojtokes.com. Enjoy the message. Here is OJ Tokes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for your presence here. We thank you, Lord, for all that will be taking place here tonight. We ask that you open our hearts to heed your word. Open our ears to hear your word. Open our eyes to perceive your word. Open our minds to understand your word. And I pray that not only do we hear or understand, but we'll put your word into practice. I come against any spiritual force that will try to inhibit, hold back, interrupt anyone from receiving from you tonight, Father God. I thank you that we'll all receive our hearts a good ground for you to sow your word into, and your word will bear fruit in our lives, and we'll see it soon in Jesus' name. Thank you for doing this and more for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, let me start from scratch. <laughs> I was born in California, Inglewood, California. When I was six weeks old, my parents, they're Nigerians, they went back to Nigeria with me as a six-week-old baby. I was raised in Nigeria for 19 years. Then in 1994, I came back to the United States and I lived in Richmond, Virginia. I lived in Richmond, Virginia for about 12 years. 1995. I rededicated my life back to Christ. Now, I was raised in a Christian home. But how many of you know that despite the fact that you may be raised in a Christian home, it does not mean that you're really following the course or, or passionate about Christ. But in 1995, I decided to take God more seriously. And from then, thank God for his grace, we have been going steady, so to speak. <laughs> Around 2002, I was in my mid-twenties then. I know that might be surprising, but I was. <laughs> and I've always believed that God had a wife for me. You know, I was believing God for a wife. It was around that time that I was like, you know, yeah, I'm really interested in being in a relationship. And around this time, there was this lady that caught my eye. She looked like the one. She fit the profile. She looked like the one, she talked like the one, she smelled like the one, the birds were singing that she was the one, the dogs were barking that she was the one. I felt the Holy Spirit was telling me, yeah, she's the one. And I was passionate about her. Um, she was hot. Uh, she loved the Lord. And that's not always a formidable com combination. Um, she served in church. She was a leader. She seemed passionate. Um, and there were so many uh, situations or coincidences that hmm, made me think, hmm, she's the one. So in my heart, I felt like God was telling me she was the one. So I went to God, and I prayed. And I simply said, hey, God, you know what's up? I don't have time to make a mistake. I don't have time to date somebody for a few weeks, a few months, 
a few years and break it off. I don't have time for that. I'll rather use my time wisely. So, Father, if this person is the one, let your will be done. If not, let your will be done. I pray that, yeah, but in my heart, I was like, yeah, I think, I think she's the one. <laughs> so I had a conversation with her. I, you know, after a few months, after observing, thinking about it, praying about it, waiting for more confirmation, so to speak, <laughs> and now muster the courage. Guys, I want to encourage you guys. Um, we need to be able to step up. That's part of being, that's part of, you know, we hear the term man up, you know, and I think we misunderstand what that term is. We need to step up and say what we got to say. Amen? Amen. Now, guys, um, manning up includes even when she says no, you take the hit and be a man about it. That's part of being man up. So I stepped up and I talked to her. And you know what? I was right. She was the one. Just one problem. I wasn't the one for her because she was interested in another guy. I was disappointed. So basically, she turned me down. I was disappointed. I handled it through God's grace. <laughs> I went home and I was wondering, I'm not going to lie to you. I was still hoping and wishing that she was going to change her mind. But that never happened. While I was dealing with this disappointment, while I was thinking about this, a friend of mine called me on the phone. And he called me. He wanted to know if I would be one of the speakers in the True Love Waits seminar. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. I just failed in a relationship. I just, in fact, I didn't even start. <laughs> I just got my heart broken. And now God has given me a buzz, the same God that I went to. I said, hey, what's up? Hook me up. He's now calling me, y'all told I need you to do something for me. I'm like, God, where were you when I asked you to do something for me? And I'm sure God was like, yeah, I did what I was supposed to do. It wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be. So relax and do your job. <laughs> So while I was, you know, just thinking about the fact that I was going to be speaking in a True Love Wait seminar, you know, one of the questions that I had to grapple with was, okay, Tokes, are you ready to be in a relationship? No. Okay, that's cool. So what do you need to be doing to prepare yourself to be in a relationship, Tokes? That question was what I began to seek the scriptures about and seek God about. While I am single, what do I need to be doing to make sure that when I get into a relationship, it goes according to God's plan? It's no wonder that at the True Love Wait seminar, the title of the message was, While You Are Single. That is so important because you do not want to find out how to make a relationship work when you are married. <laughs> because <laughs> by that time, it might be too late. So while you are single, what do you need to be doing? Your lifestyle as a single person is a seed that will determine your harvest as a married person. 
Let me say that again. Your lifestyle as a single person is a seed that will determine your harvest as a married person. So during the event, I spoke on while you were single. After, after the event, after the message, it was so powerful, it was so impactful, I said to myself, this is not just the message here. And that's why it evolved into my first book, published in 2003, While You Are Single. It's not in the market right now because a revised and updated version by God's grace will be released this summer. But 11 years after that day, or more like 12 years later, I have relocated to Houston by this time. Six months ago, on August the 10th, 2013, I married this beautiful lady here, Dana. <laughs> but the process, the journey, were things that I learned while I was single. Every once in a while, I meet my, some of my friends who, were, who are or who were in the journey with me. I was in the journey with them. Some of them are still in the journey. And they keep asking sometimes, how will the message change? What's different now? And the only thing I want to say is, it's not different. It's just a reinforcement of what I learned while I was single. Because when you have the right information and you apply it while you are single, it's the same thing that will sustain you when you are married. A lot of times when you hear people minister to people about marriage, you hear things like, what you used to do when you started dating, keep doing it. And you know they started dating while they were single. How you approach a relationship right from scratch, right from the get-go, determines how the relationship continues or stops. In Mark chapter 10, verse 2, Mark chapter 10, verse 2, some Pharisees came to Jesus and their purpose was to trap him. They wanted to get him in trouble. And they asked him, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? Now, I'm not here to talk about divorce. That's not my emphasis. But I'm using this because divorce represents a relationship that didn't go well. It represents a broken relationship, okay? My emphasis is more on Jesus' response to their question because his response had more to do with relationships regardless, okay? That's why I'm using that account. So the Pharisees came to him in Mark chapter 10, verse 2, and they said, can a man divorce his wife? In Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, Matthew 19, verse 3. We hear the same story, but we get more details. In 19, verse 3, it says the Pharisees came to him to trap him, and they asked him, 
is it okay to have divorce or can a man divorce his wife for any reason? Any reason. That gives us more details. If you didn't know that in Matthew 19 verse 3, you would have been thinking they were asking, should we divorce, period. But Matthew 19 verse 3 lets us know that it wasn't about, it was more about why or grounds for divorce. They asked, can we divorce for any reason? Usually, when the Pharisees and the religious leaders came against Jesus, they were coming against him based on the law or based on the Old Testament. A lot of times we're not aware that Jesus' response is more like a clarification of the Old Testament or the law or the first five books of Moses. Some call it the Pentateuch, some call it the Torah. But basically he was also responding based on that. So when we begin to study our scriptures and look at Jesus' response from that perspective, it helps us get a clearer view of what the debate or the conversation is about. Okay? So these guys came to Jesus and says, and they said, could a man divorce his wife for any reason? And like I said, they were coming to him based on the Old Testament. Therefore, their source for their argument is found in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. There Moses simply says, when a man takes a wife and she does not find favor in, in his eyes because he found something indecent in her or something unclean in her, King James Version, or something despicable or wrong with her, he can write her a certificate of divorce and send her away. So they were coming to Jesus based on Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. But it was a trap. It's my understanding that there were two schools of thought in the Jewish tradition as it pertained to divorce. There were two rabbinic schools, two rabbis, who had differences regarding what that scripture meant. Because it tells a man, a husband, to divorce his wife if he found something indecent or unclean in her. Now the question was, what does it mean by indecent? What does it mean by unclean? So there were two rabbinic schools that had two different views on what unclean or indecent meant. One was the school of Rabbi Shammai. The other was the school of Rabbi Hillel. Shammai was of the view that indecent means adultery. If a man's wife commits adultery, he could divorce her. That was the only grounds for divorce. Rabbi Hillel was of the view that unclean or indecent means anything, any reason. Even if she burnt food, you can divorce her. So, when they are coming to Jesus about this, they were trying to set a trap. Couple of things. You notice the question was, a man divorcing his wife. In the Old Testament, the Jewish mindset 
in the Jewish law, only men could divorce their wives. A wife could not divorce her husband. Only the man could divorce the woman. So you can imagine what Jesus was dealing with. Remember the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. I believe it's in John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. The story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. We've heard that story so many times. And if you've heard good teaching about that story, you probably hear the speaker say something like, whatever happened to the man she was found committing adultery with? How come is the woman is getting stoned, but nobody's doing something against the man? Because the mindset was the woman is the problem, not the man. Does that kind of make more sense to you now when you go back to the Old Testament to understand their mindset and come to the New Testament? Because that's what the issue was. Jesus was trying to clean up a lot of mess, mess up from back then. So the trap is, okay, if Jesus says you can only divorce for adultery, which Jesus goes on to talk about a little bit. If Jesus said you divorce for adultery, then um, it means that he's in trouble with Hillel's camp, who says, uh-uh, any reason. If Jesus says you can divorce for any reason, that means he's in, he's in cahoots with uh, Shammai's camp. If Jesus says you can't divorce, period, then he's in trouble with Moses. Because Moses says you can divorce. So you see the trap. But Jesus' response is powerful. His first response, that's my emphasis, the first response. Jesus, I'm paraphrasing, I'm kind of breaking things down. He responded and said, from the beginning, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his parents to cleave with his wife so that they can become one flesh. They are no longer two, but they are one. That was Jesus' uh, response to what they were saying. Now, I want to highlight five points from Jesus' response, okay? The Pharisees came to Jesus, and they said, Can a man divorce his wife? And Jesus' response gives us at least five things we need to be mindful of to help us get it right in relationships. He said, from the beginning, starting from scratch. That term, starting from scratch, is my understanding, comes from sports. Some argue that it came from cricket. Okay? But I don't know much about cricket and a lot of you might not, so it's going to be hard to explain that. But you guys probably watch track events, track and field sprinters. You know that mark that they put? That's the scratch. That's the starting point. You guys get it now? That's where the, the, the idea came, scratch. That's the scratch. So Jesus, in a sense, is saying, starting from scratch, God made them male and female. Point number one. The Pharisees came and said, can a husband, one person, divorce his wife? 
another person. And Jesus responds and says, from the beginning, God made them two people. They started with one person doing something against another person. Jesus starts with, from the beginning, starting from scratch, God made them, two people, not him, not her, God made them, male and, conjunction, female, not male against destruction, female. The Pharisees started with man against woman. Jesus started with man and woman. To be successful in a relationship, you need to start with a collective, a couple's mindset, than an individualistic mindset. You start with we, not me. You start with both, not you or me. So Jesus is telling right from scratch, you start with both of you. You start with unity. They started with division. From the beginning, God made them male and female. And they become one unity. So if you want to be in a relationship, a successful relationship, starting from scratch, start with a collective, a couple's mindset, which is about us, we. The, 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 the decisions are based on what we want, mutuality, not what I can do against you. Okay? A collective couple's mindset instead of an individualistic mindset. Number two, they came to him and they said, can a man divorce his wife? They started with an exit strategy. And Jesus started with an entry strategy from the beginning. Sometimes, without even knowing it, a lot of us, a lot of people start with exit strategies. They haven't even got into a relationship yet. But they start with an exit strategy. What if this doesn't work? What am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? A lot of times when you start a relationship like that, or with that mindset, you probably won't even get into it. Because you've given yourselves all the reasons why it's not going to work. Or you look for it because your mindset is already programmed for failure. They started with, they didn't come and say, how do you have a happy marriage? They came with, how do you divorce? And Jesus said, from the beginning, God made them. We need to have an entry strategy. Instead of asking, what do I do if this doesn't work? Ask the question, how is this supposed to work? And what am I supposed to do while I am single? So number one, have a couple's mentality, uh, 
collective mindset as opposed to an individualistic mindset. Number two, start with an entry strategy as opposed to an exit strategy. Number three, points three, four, and five are all connected. But let's start with point number three. They came to Jesus, can a man divorce his wife? And they came to him based on Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. They started with the fourth book of the Bible. But Jesus said, uh-uh, start from the first book of the Bible. They started from Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. And Jesus is kind of like, no. You start with Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. They got it 24 right, but they got it all mixed up. A lot of times, if there is like a checklist as far as what you need to be mindful of or what you need to evaluate before you get into a relationship, too many people start from the wrong place. The Pharisees started from point four and like, you no, know, start from point one. Because when you start from the wrong place, you miss out on all the things that come before and are necessary to make, help you make informed decisions. Guys and ladies, you know, guys is a lady or like, oh man, she's hot. I want to go out with her. You know, I want to marry her. Or ladies is a guy. Oh man, um, he's tall, dark, and handsome. Looks like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, I'm down. You know, let's, you know, attraction is cool. You know, that, that's great. But before that, point, so to speak, there are other things you need to check first. Like, is this person a Christian? Is this person a Christian? I know they are attractive. I know they are popular. I know that uh, they tickle your fancy, but is this person a Christian? And if the answer is yes, then the next question is, is this person a serious Christian? Now, I do not need to elaborate on that. I, kind of, I think everybody pretty much knows what that means. Okay? Is this person for real? Are they serious about God? Do I see fruit? Uh, are, they, are they loving? I'm not talking about do they perform miracles. I'm talking about are they loving? Are they caring? You know, are they, do they walk in integrity? If the answer is yes, then the next question is, is this the kind of Christian that I need to be with? Is, are we, are we, do we have a connection? Are we supposed to be together? Because every serious Christian is not for you. <laughs> so we need to ask ourselves this question. And really, the question that comes before all that is in the beginning was God. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but we know God was in the beginning. So before all that, you go to God first. God, is this you? If a lot of us went to God first, man, we would save ourselves from a lot of pain and heartache and unnecessary relationships. When you go to God first, is this person 
someone I'm supposed to marry or someone that I'm just supposed to be a friend with or someone that um, right now God brought across my path so that we can learn from each other or this is somebody just a, a, a model of what I'm supposed to be believing for or I'm supposed to be praying for this person, not praying on this person. <laughs> Starting with God will help you. In Matthew 19, um, verse 3, when the Pharisees came to him and said, Can a man divorce his wife for any reason? Jesus responded and said, In the beginning, God created, I mean, God made them male and female. Then the Pharisees are like, Then why did Moses? Say you can divorce his wife. And Jesus said, because your heart is hard. But from the beginning, it wasn't so. In fact, before that, he said, don't you know the scriptures? In the beginning was the word. We need to start with the word. You start, that's the starting point. God revealed through the scriptures. Because the scripture is designed to script your life. Scripture is designed to script your life. Don't you know the scriptures? In Matthew 22, verse 29. Matthew 22, 29. Jesus said, you err not knowing the scriptures. You make mistakes not knowing the scriptures. Jesus said that in response to another debate with the Pharisees. Okay, the context is different, but the point, the spirit of what Jesus is saying is applicable to every area of life. Sometimes we make mistakes because we don't know what the word says. We don't stop with the word. We don't start from the right place, the word, the scriptures, God. We start from some other word. We start from other resources. And that kind of leads me to point number four. Matthew 19, Jesus said, from the beginning, God made them male and female. And the Pharisees were like, but Moses, then why did Moses say? And they said, and Jesus said, because your heart was hard. But that wasn't God's plan from the beginning. Moses is like the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, correct? Moses was called. God used him in a great and mighty way. And in our time, in our lives right now, there are lots of men and women that God is using in a great and mighty way. They are anointed. They are called. They've written books. Some of you, I, if I ask, you guys would just drop names right now on people. They've written books. They, um, they, they speak a lot. They do a lot of stuff. And the challenge sometimes, welcome, you can join us. The challenge sometimes is we get caught up on the man or woman of God instead of the God of the man or woman. So somebody popular, anointed, called, says X, Y, and Z in relationships, and we jump on it. Why? Because... They are anointed. God uses them. They are called. So they must be telling the truth. 
they might be telling a truth, meaning is relevant to the audience at the time. But they may not be telling the absolute truth. So what has happened is somebody says something about relationships. This is what you need to do, or this is what you don't need to do. So everybody jumps on it without going to the source. To God, like, God, I know this person says this, but is this applicable to me? Because Moses is speaking to people whose hearts are hard, and God permitted, not commanded. That it could be done because your heart is hard. But they took it as gospel. Until they wanted to trap Jesus, but in the process, they made the right decision. They went to the source. So if they didn't go to Jesus, they would not have known that it was never God's plan. That makes me wonder how many times we hear somebody say something about a relationship and everybody begins to do it. Not knowing it was never God's plan. Just because that popular person says you can go online or date everybody or not date anybody does not mean that's God's plan for you. And you're not going to know that until you go to God personally and say, hey, God, what do you think? That's not my plan for you. So-and-so said that because of that situation. Listen, I'm going to try my best to share what I feel like God wants me to share, to um, yield myself to the Holy Spirit, to speak the truth in love. But I must confess, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I may say the wrong thing because of my imperfection. But I'll be the first to tell you, do not do anything I tell you because I told you, because I'm nobody. Do stuff because Jesus told you. If you notice, right from uh, some parts of this message, I have been giving out scriptures. I'm not giving you scriptures because I'm trying to tell you that I read the Bible a lot. I'm giving it to you so that you can go home, write it down, study it for yourself, and let God talk to you personally. Amen. I'm giving it to you so that you know it for yourself, not because Tokes told you, but because you know it. I want to encourage everyone here to be like the Christians in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. The Borean Christians in Acts 17, verse 11. The Bible says they were very noble. And I'm thinking it's because of their heart. They were open to what Paul was saying. Don't ever underestimate the power of being open to hear what God has to say. But that was cool, but they didn't stop there. The Bible says to search the scriptures daily to make sure what Paul was saying was true. That's what I want for you guys. All this is cool, but I want to encourage you. Go home. Read the scriptures for yourself. Because I'm speaking to an audience... To a degree, God is limited on what he can say because there's so many people here and there are likely different needs. So God, through the person he's using at that instant, has to say things to make sure that every single person is getting something. Hello, welcome, join us. Every single person is getting something that they can use. 
However, when you go home and you begin to study for yourself, what happens is God begins to tell you a whole lot more than you got in public. And he begins to not only tell you more, but tell you things that pertain to you because that's the most important thing. You. This is what I meant for you. You notice a lot of times in the Bible that this um, God, Jesus speaks to a public and the disciples come in private and a few people and Jesus gives them more. It's the same thing. When you take the word for yourself, privately God begins to break it down even more for you. So the first point was have a collective mindset, a couple's mindset, not an individual's mindset in a relationship. It's about we, it's about us, it's about both, not about you or me, not about me. Okay. The second point was have an entry strategy in a relationship. You start with how is this supposed to work and what am I supposed to do as opposed to this is not going to work. How do I get out of it? The third point was starting with the scriptures, starting with God, start with the word. And this point with the remaining fourth and fifth point still goes back to starting with Jesus, not Moses. Moses is cool, but start with Jesus. Start with the word. Don't start with a man or woman of God. Don't start with talks. Don't start with any person that's popular. They're great. Be open. Listen to them. Hear what they have to say. Take your Bible. Look at what they said and what you said sometimes. People are just way off, <laughs> way off. And sometimes they are true, but they're just not applicable to you. Okay, but you'll know the difference when you study the word for yourself. The fifth point kind of closes out on the last two points. They came to Jesus, Kenny Man divorced his wife. Jesus said from the beginning, God made them male and female. And for those who are here for the first time um, in the last few minutes, uh, we're looking at Mark chapter 10, verse 2, as well as uh, Matthew 19, verse 3. Um, Pharisees came to Jesus asking, can we divorce, can a man divorce his wife for any reason? And Jesus responds and says, from the beginning, God made them, both of them. They started with, can one man do something against a woman? And Jesus said, God started with a man and a woman, both. That's what I meant by have a collective mindset in a relationship. The second point was have an entry, not an exit strategy. The Pharisees came with, how can we break up a relationship? And Jesus said, uh-uh, you got it all wrong. You need to start with how do you start? That's why I said from the beginning, how do you start a relationship? Entry strategy instead of exit strategy. Third point was you start from the right place. The Pharisees came to Jesus based on Deuteronomy chapter 24, the fourth book in the Bible. Jesus said, no, start from book number one, Genesis. Start with God. Don't start at the wrong place. Don't start with, oh man, she's hot. I want to go out with her. No, start with God. Is this person a Christian? Yes or no? Yes. Is this person a serious Christian? Yes or no? Yes. Is this person a Christian I'm supposed to go out with? Yes or no? Okay. You know, you guys get the picture. Start with God. Then the fourth point, of course, was um, a lot of popular people. Some of you were here when I said that. Don't go with what popular people said. Be open. Listen, but check with the scriptures what God said first. And point number five, John 1.17 says something to me. Years ago, I read the scripture. It was really great. And this, what I'm dealing with, kind of brings it out even more. In John 1.17, the Bible says, The law came through Moses. 
but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'm like, wow. When you apply that into a relationship, it speaks volumes. The law is about rules and regulations. It's about merit. It's about qualifications. It's about you're going to get this when you do this, or you got to do this, or you got to do that. But grace is simply unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. You do not qualify for it. Ladies and gentlemen, aren't some of you tired of hearing people tell you, how does an attractive lady like you still be single? How can a accomplished guy like you not be seeing anybody. You're so pretty. Why isn't ain't no guy seeing you asking you out? Or man, you're such a nice guy. I mean, you, you have a job, you're accomplished, you're a Christian, you have character. You never seen anybody? I say this respectfully, but understand this. I don't want anyone to miss what I'm saying. And I hope it will help people here. The mindset that says, I'm going to find the person God has for me because I dress good, I have a car, I have a job, I love the Lord, I go to church, I serve, I'm pretty, I got my Gucci bag, and I have my Maybelline. Tommy Hilfiger or whatever and that's what's going to get you God, the person God wants for you no, that's the law that's the law that's the law favor is you don't even qualify and you get the person anyway What I want to get people, because I, I don't think, I, I've not heard it a lot. I don't think a lot of people are aware of this. So I want, while you're single, you heard it maybe first. It's about grace. It's not about, please, ladies, this is not a license to let it all go. <laughs> all right, no more makeup. Guys becoming responsible, like, no more job. I'm going to be a slob. I don't want any guy to be like, no wonder all the bad boys get all the girls. You know, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is getting the person God has for you, as well as any other thing, is not based on what you do. It's based on what God does. That's favor. I think what Stephanie and I said earlier, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Some of us who are aware of this principle seek God, but not his righteousness. We seek God while operating in our righteousness. His righteousness is basically, it's, it's not that deep, but simply means his way, his way of doing things. Okay, His righteousness is a gift. It's a gift. You don't pay for gifts. You don't earn gifts. It's for God just hooks you up because he loves you and he cares for you. And too many people are trying to make things happen. 
the law. Oh man, you want to get married? If you don't go online, you're not going to get married. The only way you can get married is to go online. Sign up with all the dating services. Spice up your profile. <laughs> do this and you will get hooked up. And yet, in this one billion dollar business, the success rate is 1%. 1% meaning some people get married and some people find someone to hook up with. Or the only way you can get married is date. Date as many people as you want. Just date, 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 date. <laughs> if you don't date, you will never find anyone to marry. You gotta date. Or don't date. Don't date. Don't go online. Just go home on a fast for 48 days. Don't eat, don't drink, don't do nothing, don't even breathe. Just sit down there and wait on the Lord. And Angel Malcolm will show up in your dreams with an iPad, sketching out the person that he has for you. He will tell you what the person, the color of their eye, their DNA, their blood type, their fingerprints. That's all you got to do to get married. That's the law. But Grace is like, listen, I can hook you up any way I want. Amen. You don't have to do anything except trust me. Have faith in me. Relax and just live your life. I got this. That's grace. My wife was 19 years. Kind of around the time I God was flying me from Nigeria to the United States. She has a dream. I didn't even think of that until now. 19 years and she gets a dream that that suggested that she would be ending up with a black person. At that time, she really had little to no interaction with anyone black at the time. Eventually, she developed friendships, but at that time, you were like, what's this? In fact, her relationship with God is not where it is now. Meanwhile, I'm on the verge, or I'm on the verge of coming here. And one of the things she told me was, when she was growing up high school, you know, she had to deal with, with guys telling her, you know, want you to look this way or uh, dress this way or use makeup this way. That's the law. Does that sound familiar? You gotta look this way or be this way or be that way or if you're a little bit more like this or a little bit more like that, it's the law. But Grace is like, I got you. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are. Yeah. Grace can say, hey, you, you're different. You, 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 you were born in the computer age. You, you're different. You can go online. I got you. Or, oh, you're outgoing. You love people. Yeah, you can date. You just like to meet people. That's good. You're good. That's Grace. You don't like, you're a quiet person. You're private. You don't really like going out. I got you. Just relax. Yeah, stay, stay in your little place. I still got you. 
You do get mail, right? <laughs> you go to church. You go to the grocery store. There's a snowstorm. You got to run to the grocery store. Anything. God can use anything that's grace. The law is what you do to please God. Grace is what God does to please you. I do not want to devalue the, the, the magnitude and the blessing that God has done for me in bringing this beautiful woman into my life. But man, it was a smooth process. I remember that day like yesterday. You know, for a while, you know, she had been in my heart. And one of the things I was thinking about, I didn't want, I did not want to break her heart. I didn't want to go out with her again. To be honest, I was thinking of an exit strategy. <laughs> I was because I had been scratched out from potential relationships prior. So I'm like, I don't want to, you know, I, you know, if this doesn't work out, I do not want to hurt her feelings, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, God, you sure about this? We good, you know? So I went for at a class. I wanted to talk to her right after the class. And usually for me, because of what I do and for a lot of reasons, you know, and I want to encourage people, like, again, you got to be yourself. But before you tell everybody on Facebook and Twitter that so-and-so, you and so-and-so are getting married, when you know you just started drinking coffee yesterday, um, just kind of slow down a little bit, just a little bit, you know, just slow down a little bit. That's what I was trying to do. I, you know, I didn't want, I did not want anyone to hear anything. I'm like, let's figure out what's going on first. You know, let's, let's figure out what's going on first. So I wanted to talk to her and she came and, but there was a guy standing there. I'm like, man, the devil, man, what's up with that? <laughs> you know, come on. You know, I was like, Ugh. so I couldn't talk to her. So we kind of walked out and, you know, God bless her heart. Didi walked out with us and I was like, oh, man, D.D., come on, D.D., come on. But check this out. I was in my mind. I was like, man, God, you got to do something because, man, if you don't do something, you know. And all of a sudden, D.D. gets off. We were supposed to go to the first floor. And D.D. all of a sudden just gets up the second floor. It ha I was like, what? In my mind, I was like, what? She just, all of a sudden, boom, she was out. She didn't even say, hey, hey. she ran out. I was like. That's grace. <laughs> and it was so clear. I was like, I'm, I'm not lying. I said, thank you, Jesus. I said it out loud. She didn't get it because her mind was somewhere else. you know. Then I said, how about dinner and a movie? She didn't say yes. She didn't say no. She said Sure. She didn't say sure because she was sure or she knew without a shadow of a doubt. She said sure because that's what came out of her mouth. <laughs> that's grace. <laughs> now, I'm telling you stories, but like I told you, you don't do stuff because I told you. Let's go to the scriptures. Ruth chapter 2 verse 10. And I hope this encourages you ladies here because... I'm going to be, let's deal with reality. You know, it doesn't seem like there are lots of guys here. You know, and this is not the first time you've been dealing with this for a long time. <laughs> doesn't seem like a lot of guys here. And I'm talking about Christian, you're like, what? Christian guys? That brings the number even down. 
And I said, serious Christian? I'm like, come on, serious Christian? That brings the number way down. But I want to encourage you, don't think from the law's perspective. Think grace. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 10, the story of Ruth. Ruth finds a guy named Boaz. Some of you may not know the story, but read the book of Ruth and you get a full picture. And as this year goes, I'll share more about that. She sees a guy named Boaz who's a representation of Christ, you know, like how you apply him in, in our time. He's a wealthy guy. He's uh, popular. He's respected. You know, he's the bachelor, you know, uh, he's got influence. And in Ruth 2.10, Ruth sees this guy and she's like, how come I found favor in your eyes? Knowing that I'm a foreigner. And that's a slick way of saying I'm a Moabite. Now let's look at this. Okay, let's look at her odds. I don't know what your odds are, ladies, but I don't think your odds is as close as her odds of ending up with a guy like Boaz. Because number one, the Israelites were not supposed to marry foreign nations, period, in the Old Testament. And the reason was because the foreigners will get them to worship other gods, okay, will get them away from God. The principle applies today. That's why we talk about Christians. You know, a non-Christian will take you away from God. I don't care. I know they might be nicer than a Christian you know, but <laughs> trust God when he says, don't go there. Wait for them to become Christians. Wait for them to become serious Christians, okay? But um, the Israelites are not supposed to marry foreign, um, foreigners. Number two, the Israelites were not supposed to, um, in fact, they also mentioned specifically, I mean, it was all foreigners, but they specifically called Moabites and Egyptians and the Hittites and the Canaanites and all that kind of stuff. You know, so here's Ruth, a Moabite woman. And Boaz notices her and she's like, how come you notice me? She uses the word foreigner. You know how sometimes guys, you know how sometimes women, they say something, but they mean something else. You know, she says foreigner, but she was like, I'm a Moabite, but she kind of made it nice. Foreigner, it's not real specific. No, no, you're a Moabite. How many of you know the history of the Moabites? Let me give you a brief history. Genesis 19, 30 to 38. Genesis 19, 30 to 38. God has just destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The only survivors were Lot, Abraham's nephew, and his two daughters. His two daughters felt like there was no other person to marry on earth, no other man. So the two daughters connived to get their father drunk. So they got him drunk and they slept with him. And the firstborn gave birth to Moab. The secondborn gave birth to Benami. That's where we get the Ammonites. So Ruth is a descendant of that incestuous episode between his uh, lot, his drunken, he was drunk, and his daughters. So that's how the Moabites came about. She is a product of dysfunction. She is totally disqualified from marrying a guy like Boaz. And check this out. If you read the story of Ruth, the Bible talks about Boaz telling her to follow the other women, which means there were already women beside Boaz who are more qualified because they're Israelite women. So there are women already around Boaz. They were working with Boaz. They were working for Boaz. But the person God gave Boaz was not any of them. The people that were working for him. 
for God knows how long. It wasn't them. The people that were more qualified. So ladies and gentlemen, stop saying to yourself, oh, I can't do this because I'm not this or that. Because grace, like for Ruth, will get you the person God has for you. And you know, Ruth went home and told her mother-in-law, I made a guy named Boaz. And the mother-in-law encouraged her to freshen up, change up, and go to a place to meet Boaz. But check this out. You know what that means? It means that when Boaz first met her, she was jacked up. <laughs> she had no makeup on. She was probably sweaty. Yet, he noticed her. And she said, how come I found favor, grace? Moses is the law. Grace is Jesus just hooking you up because he loves you. Again, this doesn't mean you should look jacked up every day. <laughs> oh man, thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to, no, understand. Just relax, be yourself, continue to know God personally. And as time goes on, God will hook you up. God will hook you up. And this is another thing. You dress up and all that, and somebody turns you down, it helps you not take it personal. Because, oh, no grace for this. As opposed to, man, I mean, my hair, is it my weave? I mean, what's wrong? Is it my car? Is it the way I'm dressed? Is it because I don't have swag? No. Next time it's going to be like, okay, no grace for this. Because we're human beings, you're still going to be hurt. You're going to be disappointed because there has been some feelings released. But at the end of the day, you say, oh, there's no grace for this. Rule of thumb, if you're working too hard to get into a relationship, that's law. There's no grace for it, at least at that time. Everybody got this? Amen? Thanks for listening to the message. We hope that you were informed, inspired, and impacted. O.J. Tokes has written a life-changing book titled Rejected for a Purpose, How God Uses Rejection to Help You Find and Fulfill Your Destiny. If you would like to learn more about the book, please visit ojtokesministries.org. That is ojtokesministries.org. If you like Christian inspirational hip-hop, check out O.J. Tokes' Christian inspirational hip-hop album, A Breath of Fresh Air which is now available on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, and other music outlets. You can also learn more about his music by going to ojtokesministries.org. Thanks again for listening to the message. Take care and stay blessed.